0: Kyle Turner.
1: Hey. Come on, give Jesus a little bit of praise in God's house right now. Aren't you grateful for his grace, for his love? What a Look at you, City Light Church. You do not look like a three-month-old. You don't praise like a three-month-old. Man, what a beautiful move of God that is happening right here. If you're brand new to this church, man, you've come to the right place. Maybe on the wrong weekend, come back for Jabin next week. But uh, man, what beautiful people, what a presence of God that's in this place. We didn't come here to have school, we, we came here to have some yeah. church. Grab your seat and let's get after it. Man, I love your pastors and I love this church. Truly, something special is happening here. I don't, I'm don't. i in the church world. This is my life and uh, my calling. I'm grateful uh, for what God's allowed me to do over the last few years. I'm grateful for the friends that I get to do it with. Um, but truly, I, I help teach and 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 coach church plants and this is a miracle in the making only about three percent of churches ever get over three hundred people we're three months old and we're at four hundred plus people and 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 we could praise that's great yeah give god some praise for that that's awesome that's awesome that's a testimony to the the leadership gifting the on your pastors and on this incredible team that sacrificed. how many know getting up early to make this school into a church can we give them some praise they're probably asleep somewhere around the facility right now, and it's a great team. You have incredible pastors that really are like family, and um, I, I'm just proud of them, and I also look up to them, and uh, I just think what, what is going to happen here, we're still in the incubation period, and we'll look and see, watch and see the move of God. It's a miracle in the making, City Light Church. It's an honor to be a part of this, and I'm glad to be here with you. We fam! I'm the red-headed stepchild you didn't want, and, uh, and uh, we fam, except for two weeks out of the year. The other 50, we good, but Chiefs Raiders ain't going to happen. I'm sorry. Those two weeks, I'm going to curse the city. Just kidding. It's just kidding. But uh, we are fam. I think I have a picture of my family back in KC, holding down the fort. There we are. Graham and, and my wife Liz and Blair. Funny thing about that picture right there is that no trespassing signs were everywhere. My kids can't read yet, so we were cool. They didn't know that mom and dad were breaking the law and dishonoring God. And, but we, there's a lot of things we'll do for Instagram. You know what I'm saying? There are a lot of things we will do for Instagram. Let's pray, open up our hearts to hear from heaven. I've got a word prepared, but nobody has the thing you need to hear quite like the Holy Spirit. And He is here. If it's a believer, he's in you. And God is longing to speak to the deepest need in your heart. Whether it's clarity, maybe even correction, some direction, some peace, some healing. He longs to help you because he's a perfect father. His presence is here. Let's ask him to speak. Amen. Lord, we love you so much. I thank you for this beautiful church filled with amazing people. We thank you for the pastors that were willing to step out and leverage their life to lead something for you. Not for their glory, but for the glory of Jesus Christ right here in this beautiful city. God, I have a word prepared, but you, Heavenly Father, you, Holy Spirit, have a word in season for every individual here. So God, we get everything else out of the way, everything we have to think about tomorrow, kids going to school, issues that we're dealing with, and we ask you and invite you to come speak to our heart, plant something on the inside of us that will radically change the way we do life. We wanna grow closer to you, in Jesus' name, amen? Amen, how many of y'all love your Bibles? You love your Bible? Come on, we love our Bibles, it is authoritative, it is, uh, it is inspirational, it's filled with power, it's the way to live, it's how to live with God, and yet sometimes it's really hard. Does anyone ever feel like there's parts of the Bible that you just wish weren't quite in there? How many know there's some scriptures that sound real good on Sunday, real hard to live out on Monday? I'm going to preach on one of those. There's another one of them that uh, I feel like is really difficult for me. It sounds great. It actually sounds very poetic when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. That sounds great until you have a neighbor like mine. <laughs> Jesus didn't realize that my neighbor was worse than the, the ones that beat up the, the, the man on the side of the road, that the good Samaritan helped. And here's why. It's not necessarily my human neighbor that lives next to me. It's the canine neighbor that lives next to me. It's a barker. It's a scratcher. No lie. Five weeks ago... At 6 a.m., 6 a.m., I'm walking my little dog out there. This dog on a leash, leash didn't work, I guess, bit me severely. To the doctor, I went, bleeding. This, like, you know, hellhound, Bealza pup. You know, that's why I call him, Bealza pup. He, I, I, it's embarrassing if I told you where he bit me, so let's just say it's more the rear hip. Okay, I still have a scar. I had to get a shot. I had medical. I was on antibiotics. I was foaming at the mouth. And meanwhile, I had my dog with me. He's a little dog. And I was like, what? He looked at me like, wow, that escalated quickly. <laughs> and I was like, homie, uh, you know, you're my DOG, but I, think I thought you were my DAWG. I thought you were with me. He didn't even bark at the other dog. He just let him, <laughs> let him attack me. It's hard to love my neighbor. It's difficult sometimes. It sounds great until you actually have to do it. Do I really want to treat people like I want to be treated? It's not always that easy. And I want to talk about what I think personally is the most difficult verse to live out in the Bible it's James chapter 1 you know where I'm going with this verses 2 and 4 uh, he says dear brothers and sisters in other words dear church dear church family let, let me let me tell you something when when trouble comes your way consider it in other words your viewpoint of it is an opportunity wow. trouble is an opportunity for great joy wow. great joy what is James drinking on right here in Jerusalem great joy He says, for you know, and this is where you separate junior varsity Christianity with people that are going to really live for the mission of Jesus. People that are really going to be on the forefront. Not church attenders, but people that are going to own that they are the church for a hurting world. The people that know that problems come to build your faith. For you know, you have the right perspective about problems, that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So God must really, God loves faith. Because that's how we please God. We can't please him apart from faith. So God must actually like endurance. Therefore, God actually likes when we go through tests. He says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing or lacking nothing. How many want to be lacking nothing? Needing nothing. Fully confident in Christ. Fully provided for by your heavenly Father. Well, then we have to have our endurance grow. And the only way that our endurance and our faith grows is through is through problems and, and testing. If we want to be perfected by Christ, we're going to have some problems. I want to talk to you today about my perfect problems. I've got some problems. I've got a lot of problems personally. I've got some problems. I, I, I burn easily. I can never pastor a church out here in the desert. I'm albino. I'm up here looking like Fat Mclemore. I know. I've got some problems, not outwardly, but really what he's talking about is the internal things. Outward situations cause internal struggle, but James says, don't you know, don't you know that that these problems that you're facing are a chance for endurance that will develop you into something greater, something complete, perfect, lacking nothing. So my problems, God, when he sees my problems, he sees them as an opportunity for something significant to happen in me. So ultimately, he could do something beautiful through me, something lasting through me, God calls the object in your way an avenue for your advancement, for God to do something great. Pain is the passport to promotion in God's plan. Pain, struggle, trials is actually an opportunity for God to do something significant. So that's why we have to change our perspective. That's why we can count it all joy when we see it the way that God sees it, because He sees the end and the beginning together. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the first, the last. And he knows although we might be right in the middle of a storm, something significant is forged on the inside of the believer whose faith is built in this beautiful place of trial. Your problem actually has something perfect uh, about it. The the truth is God has more for you. Every single one of you. A great word that, that your pastor Jabin shared when it came to giving. God wants abundance to be a part of your life. God doesn't want to to give you more things. He wants to make you into a greater thing as well. Now, here's the truth. God has more for you, but it will cost you more than you think. It it, it will probably take a little, little bit longer than you want. Ultimately, it will be better than you thought. But all of those things come this connecting point called faith. When I realize that my problems build my faith and my faith builds my life, then I have the perspective that James has that I can actually count it all joy when I'm facing a problem because it's an opportunity for my faith to get built up. And nothing pleases God more than we trust in Him. And I think all of us would say, I want to please God. I want my faith to grow. I want my, my portion to increase. I want my ability to proclaim Jesus to my neighborhood, to my workplace, to my school. I want the mission of Jesus to be lived out of my life in a greater way. And if we say yes to that, then we're going to say yes to some trials and to some problems. That's just the way that it works. Faith comes by hearing is what Romans tells us. But faith grows by testing is what James tells us and I don't really like test if you like a test does anyone here like test were you that you were that person on Friday you reminded the teacher that she said there was going to be a quiz at the end of the week now here's the deal with you and me you can go to heaven but you can't live by me get off my lawn that's what I say to the people that like tests I don't like tests no one really likes tests but nor do we want to be immature incomplete We could be lacking many things if we don't like testing. I got three simple things that I think will help you start to get the right perspective about your problems and understand that they're actually there to perfect you. They're actually there to strengthen you. First one is this why don't you write this down if you're taking notes? Every struggle is significant, none of your struggles are wasted. Every struggle is significant. God will use the trials in life to test you, to strengthen you, to develop you for something more beautiful to happen in your life. Every problem is a place of promotion. That's the way that God looks at it. Think about tests in school. When you pass the test, you told the authorities, your teachers, the faculty, the administration of your school, that you were ready to graduate to the next course or to the next grade. In other words, every time you pass the test, you were telling the people in charge, I'm ready for more. And that's the same way it works with our ultimate authority, our Heavenly Father. Every time we pass the test and are found faithful, trusting Him through the trial, we prove to Him that they're ready for more, that they're ready to increase, that they're ready to be perfect, complete, lacking, lacking nothing. 1 Peter 1, verse 6 and 7, at present, or other words, Peter says to the church, right now, you may be temporarily harassed. By all kinds of trials. This is no accident, Peter says. It happens to prove your faith. Three things I see there. The first one, it's temporary. You're temporarily harassed. Your struggle has a shot clock. How many have ever spent the night awake in bed, fretting, worrying, worrying? hurting on the inside about a situation you were walking through. A bill you had to pay, a broken heart you were dealing with, a doctor's report, some just sort of stress or emotional pain in your life. Every one of us has been through a sleepless night based upon a situation out there that affected us in here with turmoil. And yet, we're still here. In fact, many times you can't even remember what the problem was But in the moment it gripped you, it strangled the God life out of you. That's the way the enemy likes to work. Just like Jesus talks about the seed that goes into the soil and then the thorns and the cares and concerns of life are what it's called. Grow up and choke the life of what God is trying to build on the inside of us. Peter says you're temporarily harassed. It is not going to last forever. Remember, you have been through some issues before and you're still here. You might be in some issues right now, but you're going to get there. Can we give God a little bit of praise that he's been faithful to us in every season? And he's doing something significant through the stress that we are that we are feeling. I like bad movies every once in a while. Like, not bad like in Christendom. Bad like they're just, yeah, Sharknado. I like just cheesy action movies, especially on Sunday night. We've got a lot of services. We're in a small, we have two campuses, and one of them is small downtown Kansas City, and we're just packing out. And yes, downtown Kansas City sounds as exciting to you as it is. And uh, we pack that thing out, and I'm preaching most Sundays five times. And we've got a, more services than that. We utilize video. It's just the way that God is, what's God doing right now. And we're just, we're just making it happen. So I'm exhausted. I'm drained, whatever. It's just my, you know, I only work one day a week, so it's all cool. And... Uh, <laughs> and when I get home, I just want nothing to do but to veg out. So Netflix, and there's just some awful made-for-Netflix movies out there. Low budget, and I'm all in. And then the, the writing's bad, the acting's worse, the storyline doesn't even add up, and there's a moment, it's like, it's like 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, I'm like, you know what, this is literally making me dumber by the moment. So I hit pause, When we hit pause on Netflix. It shows you where you're at in the timeline. And normally I see I've only got like 18 minutes left. I'm going to ride this thing out. Is anyone like that? If I started it, I'm going to finish it. You might be going through a bad movie scenario right now. Trust me, it's going to end. The Bible tells us this is a temporary harassment of the enemy. It will not last. You will not stay stuck in like a groundhog day over and over again. No, you are going to get to the end of it. You can ride it. You can ride it out. I think you can know you're going to make it to the end when you know there's an end in sight. God says he would never allow something to to come on your life or to tempt your life that you wouldn't be able to outlast. That he wouldn't strengthen you to overcome. Peter also says there's all kinds of trials. Our trials are different. They're different seasons, different stages, different shapes, but all have an end goal. Whether we caused them or they were caused to us or it's a part of this broken world, but they all have something significant. I think about Jonah. Jonah, had, in a moment, found himself in a, a large fish-shaped problem. God actually sent that trial his way, though. And I'm not here. I never, not all your trials are sent by God. Some of them are own mistakes, broken world, a total attack of the enemy. Uh, think about Paul. He says this thorn in the flesh that the enemy sent to him. And God didn't take him out of that problem. He says, my grace is sufficient. In your weakness, I'm more than strong and able, capable to help you. Paul learned something that we still learn today, that God strengthens you in the midst of situations. It doesn't always take you out of it. But here we have Jonah. Jonah's in a whale problem. But the problem wasn't really the fish. The problem was his disobedience, that he didn't go to Nineveh. And then God gets his heart correction through that trial that had him literally entrapped, spits him back up on the land. Then he goes to Nineveh and revival breaks out. And this is what I want you to see is some of the situations you're in. God is saying, hey, in the midst of where you feel like you're not getting to where you're called to be, or maybe you've run from God, by my grace, I'm going to put you back on a firm foundation so that you can finish the task that I have assigned for you. Because the end goal was revival for the hurting people of Nineveh. And that's why our trials actually have a grace side to it. That God allows us to go through it so that when we can rely on him in the midst of the storm, we actually can do something significant in, in, in the long run. And then we have to suffer for a little while, but it produces a great, a great result. Peter says this is no accident. This is the way life works sometimes. This is what God allows sometimes. This is what we did to mess up the situation sometimes. This is the attack of the enemy sometimes, but it is not by accident. God, who's bigger than all storms, is with you through every storm, but he allows some storms to strengthen you on the inside. Isaiah says, God, God says, I have tested you in the furnace of suffering. That doesn't sound very fun at all. In August, you get tested in the furnace of suffering here. Heat purifies gold. Pressure produces diamonds. Tests turn faith into God's forward progress for your life. Can we just tell the truth in church? Is that OK? How many of you would say right now, I'm in a test? I'm in a trial. I got my hand up right? not, not as an example. I'm actually going through some things right now, and I need God to show up. Look, at, there was two-thirds of us. The other third probably just got out of one, or they're headed into one. That's just the way that it seems to, to work, and yet we're going to get through the pressure, and it's going to produce something incredible. It's going to produce something amazing. Can I get a clock, a shot clock? No, it's not your bad. It's my bad. I just like preaching, and we'll be here all day. There's a guy at my gym, um, he's super fit, and I call him super fit guy, and I'm real creative. I'm real creative, and he always just seems to be ecstatic at his workouts. Do you know that guy? He's just like, and he looks at me, and I see him at gym all the time. We got headphones in, we just do that, bro, heads up, it's up. It's the highest form of communication at the gym, it's what's up. And it's funny, because I see him, every time I'm there, he's there. And in my mind, I'm thinking, like, if i got to be at the gym as much as this guy's at the gym, so just to look that way, I'm out. But then I realize he also sees me when I see him. And I'm super ordinary guy, super not fit guy. And so he probably sees me. And it's like, it's a vicious cycle. He's got to keep going to the gym. He don't want to look like, he don't want to look like, why are you laughing right now? Uh, but I see him there sometimes. And he's late. he goes to, like, the weird equipment. I'm like, I keep it basic. He's over there like the weird stuff that you do. And he's laying in the gr- on the ground, just sweat everywhere, as if Jonah's whale spit him up into that place. And he's just got a goofy smile on his face. And I think he knows something I don't know. That when you go that hard and you, 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 you work your hardest, you go to your limit, you perspire that much, he, he understands that it's producing something amazing so he's happy about the trial he just endured a different translation of James chapter one two says be very happy when you're tested in different ways part of me is like I'd be very happy if that wasn't in the bible but James knows something that he's trying to help us grow up to understand it's the same thing that those in Hebrews the hall of fame of faith know that we don't know they have finished the race, and it tells us they are applauding us as we're finishing our final lap of completion. You've got to run the race before you. It's different than the person next to you, but it is significant that you run your race well as a believer, because life isn't just about us, it's about the advancement of His kingdom through us. And these Hall of Famers of Faith have already gone to the end of their test, and they've been found faithful. Well done, now good and faithful Servant, enter into rest. Enter into great. To is your is your reward, and that's why they're standing on their feet cheering us because they know when your lungs are burning and your legs are tired and you don't feel like you could go any further, you're just about to end that race and end it well. And I just want to say that to someone here right now. You feel like you can't go one more lap, friend. God will grace you and strengthen you to get through it. And you can do it with a smile on your face. Even though it feels like you're wasting away on the inside, you're actually getting stronger in there. Is that what what, what Paul teaches us? So outwardly we're wasting away. Inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Because he says it doesn't matter what's outward. It's what God is doing on the inside. Because it's developing in me something, a glory that far outweighs What I am facing out there is the beauty of what God is doing right in in here. How do I get through these trials? Write this down if you would. I'm going to look to the promises as I follow the commands. They actually work together. I'm a promised person. I go to God's Word and get inspiration. I go to God's Word and realize there's something more for me, that He cares about me, that He is for me. And promises are powerful because it shows you God's potential in your situations, what God wants to do in your life. Be a promise person. There's 7,000 plus promises in God's Word. Learn them. Find one for your situation, for your trial. You can even just Google them. Siri, get Alexa involved in the conversation. Just get them. Because it gets your faith up and your head up of what God would want to do and could do for you in your situation. But you have to understand that they are all yes and amen in Christ. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. In other words, when you know that you have Christ, then you know that every good thing that God wants to do, he wants to do for you. And what he will do in you and what he ultimately wants to do through you. In Christ is the guarantor of all of God's goodness in your life but here's how we activate it because it isn't just a promise that you proclaim they're normally attached to a command you have to obey then this is where sometimes we get to say it over and over again and it might encourage us in the moment but we don't unlock the key to get through the door of our destiny onto the greater things that God has because the promises and the commands are like a zipper they line up perfectly and they come together to cover you This might not be the most popular thing I've ever preached, but it might be the thing you need to hear because you are holding on to a promise and you believe in God for it. And nothing's changing because there's some commands that you're not following. Just like you said in baptism, you want to have a new life and get out of your old? Well, you need to publicly declare your faith in front of others. It's what the Word of God says. And until you follow that command, you can't have all the promises of a new creation because there's something in your heart that is resisting the way that God works. You might know the promises, but until you walk in obedience, you won't see them come together in a beautiful way. Y'all hear what I'm saying today? God gives us access to his best, to his promises, through us following with the commands. There's over 1,050 commands in the New Testament alone. They are inconvenient. Some of them are unreasonable. Some of them seem downright impossible. But if God calls you to it, friend, you can do it. And if you will do it, trust me, listen, you can get through it. The, The promise gets activated by me obeying. Here's one for us. We all want the peace of God when we're going through a trial and a storm. But the command is don't worry. Don't worry about anything. The command is pray about everything. And then what God, the God of all peace, will guard your heart and mind And what in Christ. He's the guarantor of God's promises. Forgive those that hurt you. That's a command. We don't like that one. I would like to forgive them with my fist, God. But he says, no, forgive them on the inside. Why? Because it sets us in a place where God's forgiveness can flow through our lives. It's the promise that is received by following the command. And every time I read something in this beautiful book that can be difficult to work out, I have a a question that pops up on the inside. I have to make a choice. Am I going to listen to what feels right for me, or am I going to believe what God says is right for my future? Do I respond with my feelings or with my faith? Do I listen to my gut, my flesh? that says no, or to my God that says yes, you can get through it. Because with him all things are possible to him who believes. Final thought, maybe the most painful one. Save the worst for last. Is that okay? That God's delays are actually in my development. Then when God goes slow, he's not slow. That's what the Bible says. He's not slow as we understand time and process. He's always on time. And has anyone ever just can testify that your timeline and God's almost never seem to sync up? We have a right now kind of heart, but we have, I'm going to do something in your future, God. And he allows the trials of right now to forge something greater on the inside. God's delays are my development. I think it's a pain. God says it's a developmental program. Because God works in seed time and harvest. Not just what we plant to get a harvest, but what he plants inside of us. And you're going to harvest what you sow. The message paraphrase, I think it shows up on the screen. Maybe it won't. It says God, God's not a fool. What we plant, we're going to receive. But God also wants to receive all that he, the potential that he's planted in you. Even the promise, I think that, that Jamin just said, that anyone is in Christ, Second Corinthians 5.17, is a new creation. The old is gone, and the real translation says the new is beginning, or it has begun. It isn't fully there yet. You don't change overnight. You, you have a change in who's the Lord of your life. You have a change in your eternal destination. You have a change in your desire, sometimes. You have a change in your character, a little. God works that stuff out in time. He plants the seeds of your in Christ potential on the inside of you. And he allows it over time and through trials to bring the best fruit of the harvest out of your life. Y'all tracking what I'm saying? Because Colossians 1, verse 27, that says, that Christ in you, planted in you, is the hope of a future glory. It doesn't arrive immediately. It's a hope for the the future. God plants it in you, and your patience develops it. Mark 4, verse 26. How much time have we have? Three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, hundred minutes? Je- Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like someone who plants a seed in the ground. Night and day, whether the person is asleep or awake, the seed still grows, but the person does not know how it grows your worry won't make it work any faster ever your worship will your worship will when i just trust him for who he is i I just say god you must know what you're doing it seems like your plan is the opposite of what i would want nevertheless god not my will but yours i'll worship you for what you've done i'll worship you but i don't see it right now what you're doing and i worship you for what is yet to come in my life. My daughter has a, a project for her school. She's in kindergarten. They planted some seeds, little bean seeds in a little plastic cup. And they, it's a clear cup, but they had it wrapped up. And, and uh, there's a couple that have sprouted out and there's one on the inside that hasn't fully developed yet. It started to grow down. And the, the teacher told her, don't worry. Over time, it knows what it's gonna do. It'll redirect and grow up. And that's what I felt like, God, I didn't plan on saying this, this. is what I felt God told me to tell somebody this morning. You have like held on to a promise. You've held on to a word. You believe for a breakthrough, whether it's with a situation in your health or a, a child who's far from God. Whether it's for a career that hasn't quite clicked in yet. Maybe it's for a spouse that you don't know where they are at on the horizon of your life. And you just feel like the seed is going nowhere. Trust me, it's growing. It's growing beneath the soil. And god allows the pressure and the junk of life even to cover over some of the things that he's doing through us because he has something great in store for every single us the problem for us as americans is we just don't like to wait we we have a right now faith when we have a god of the tomorrow that wants to make everything better in the long run if he would give it to us now on our timeline we would be spoiled but when we trust him for the long run we can be significant We could do something greater ultimately through us. Galatians 6, verse 9, let's not get tired. If you're tired, we've all been there. Tired of believing, tired of hoping, tired of proclaiming, maybe even tired of obeying, tired of trusting, tired of waiting, tired of weathering the storms. Hey, don't get tired, it says. Don't do it. Don't get tired of doing what is right. Keep leaning into the ways of God for after a while. When is a while? We don't know. The God of heaven and of earth knows exactly when the timeline is supposed to come together and he will not be late according to his perfect timing and plan for your life, friend. We will reap a harvest of blessing. It's better than you think if you don't get discouraged and give up. Your progress requires patience. Every problem is there to perfect, perfect you. And God does miracles in the moment. We're gonna pray for one in a moment. We're gonna pray right now, actually. Believing for God to bring a radical breakthrough, a miracle in your situation. But if he doesn't do it right now, listen, listen, listen. He's going to do it. Don't give up. The development on the inside of you will be more beautiful than the breakthrough in the moment. Trust me. You want it right now, but what we really all want, can we agree, is the perfect plan of God. That our problems are perfecting us for something significant, something greater. Two things we're going to do right now. We're first and foremost going to pray for those in a storm, in a trial, in a test, in a problem. Believing for a breakthrough for everyone. But no matter what happens in this moment or the next day, resiliency to keep going and trusting God because He's developing something great. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes if you're here and He says, I'm in a trial, Kyle. I'm in I'm in a problem situation right now. I'm going through some issues and I need God to show up. Maybe you've, you've even given up on a dream because it hasn't happened yet. And you want to believe again and trust again and hope again. Maybe it's a, a medical situation, maybe it's just a pain in your heart. You're believing for God to heal and restore you. If that's you, no one look around, really just you and your Heavenly Father. You just lift up your hand and It's an act of humility and surrender. Say, God, I need you right now. I'm struggling right now. God, I'm holding on right now. I'm believing for that child. I'm believing for that spouse. I'm believing for that job. Hands are up all over. I'd say more than half. You can put your hands down, but now let's lift up our faith. Father God, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. You did not spare your own son for us to be saved. And you didn't just save us for us to to, to not have your very best in life. You've given us Christ. You've planted him on the inside of us. And one day we're going to be made just like him. But in the process and in the meantime, you're developing into us to become more and more like him. God, we want our character to be strong. We want to grow in patience and endurance, but Lord, we're also asking you right now, like only you can, with the move of your mighty hand, would you bring a miracle for everyone who needs one? Healing, peace, restoration, a renewed hope, provision for their life, direction and clarity for their future. God of wonders, we thank you ahead of time for every single one of your miracles. And God, if it's a miracle in the making, build our resiliency, build our faith. Let us get our hopes up again, trusting your timing for every single test that we're facing. We surrender our patience and we surrender to the endurance of the test right now in Jesus' name. And God, we know through it all, we already live from a place of victory, not for victory. If you haven't given your life completely over to Jesus, just stay in this moment of prayer. I'd love to give you an opportunity to say yes to Him. Here's what I find more often than not, that we've come to church, maybe we've been prayed a prayer before, but if our faith isn't vibrant, if Christ isn't alive to us, we can know all about God, but we don't know Him personally. And if He's not first place in your life, you're missing the whole meaning of life. Church isn't the meaning of life. Jesus is the meaning of life. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or you need to surrender again because He isn't first, Let's do that right now. In just a moment, I'm going to have you, all I'm going to have you do is to raise your hand, just acknowledge in an act of surrender that you need Jesus again or for the very first time. And then we're all going to pray together because we do this thing as a family here. We're going to pray with you. I'm not going to single you out. You're not signing up for church. We're just going to pray. It would be the most significant moment of your whole eternity is this moment right here to give your heart for the first time or to give it again to Jesus Christ. If that's you and you really want Jesus first, no longer second, third, fourth on the list. He's first in your life. If you want to receive his love and his grace, if that's you, just lift up your hands. Does anyone here who says, I need a fresh start with Jesus Christ? One, two, three. Anyone else? Four, five. I feel proud of the two of you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's pray together. All of us, church family, pray our friends that might, with our friends that might be praying this for the very first time. Say this with me. Say, thank you, God, for being so good to me. I did not deserve you, but you wanted me. So much so that you sent your son Jesus to take my sins on his cross. He died for my sins. He rose from the grave so I could be in your family. I turn from my old life. I give you my life. I need your grace. Holy Spirit, come speak to me. I'm going to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate every change life? Five people is pretty awesome. Come on. I love you, church. You guys are amazing.
0: Can we thank Pastor Kyle for that word? Come on, put your hands together. Everybody. Amen. And I was thinking about just as he was preaching. Um, uh, I don't know if I, you know, could tell anybody anything about my life other than if I've got maybe a good thing that I could share about my faith and my journey with God because I, I give so much credit to the men who have gone before us and to our parents and, but if there's anything we've done right maybe my wife and I, Shannon and I, we just stuck around we just didn't leave, you know when times got tough, we ran to Jesus, you know in a test, ran to the word um, going through a hard time Ran to the house of God. We just never ran from God. We just kept running to Jesus, and we are where we are today. And I thank God for where we are today, and I give Him all the glory for it. And I and I say it's it's one hundred percent by grace. Um, but we just we just kept showing up. Y'all know what I'm saying. We just kept just kept going to church, stayed in the Word, stayed in worship, stayed going after God, and. We are where we are. It's, it's, it's almost by accident because you look back over your life and you go, wow, look how far he's brought me. I never thought I would have made it through that season. Have you ever been there? And then you make it. <laughs> and then maybe there's another challenging season. And you think, how am I ever? And then you make it. Because you just keep turning up. And uh, I want to ask you, keep turning up. Keep going after God. Keep praying with your spouse. Keep reading your Bible. Keep going to church. It's just a little, they're little things that maybe don't feel big when you're in a big storm, but they're actually bigger than the storm. <laughs> See, when you're in a small boat and you're in a big storm, but you got Jesus in the boat, the boat's bigger. Somebody help me preach right now. Don't feel bigger, but it's bigger because I got Jesus. And greater is he who's in me than than he that's in the world. I'm going to make it. You're going to make it. Don't you dare give up. I want to talk to every person who's in a fight right now. Don't you dare give up. If you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. If you need someone to pray for you today, you know what I want to do? We've never done this. I want our small group leaders, if Pastor Mitch could come as.